Hey guys, this is Fiorella Nira. Welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. I'm super excited today because we're going to be talking about my favorite topic, financials, and knowing your finances and getting started with your finances. But before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about my guest because it is a special one today. Her name is Michelle Loretta, and she is from Sage Wedding Pros. Her bio is, are you ready? It's a pretty good one. With a degree in accounting, it seemed like Michelle had her career laid out for her when she began working in the corporate world at companies like Deloitte and Coach. Coach is my favorite. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't until she started a stationary business in 2004 that she discovered what many already knew at that time. The event industry was chock full of incredibly talented creatives but few had the business experience to truly understand the strategy behind running a sustainable company. After spending a few years immersed in the industry, Michelle started a blog in 2009 aimed at educating all of us, being one of the first B2B businesses resources, especially tailored to creatives who wanted to become better entrepreneurs. And so today I am having her on the podcast to tell us all about Sage event pro sage wedding pros and b sage conference michelle how are you doing i'm doing great thank you thanks for having me thank you for your time today i'm super excited because like i told you in our pre-interview conversation financials is one of my favorite topics to talk about um so tell me how tell me i we we did your bio but i really want to get into a little bit about your background and a little bit more detail so what were you doing for Deloitte and Coach? So with Deloitte, um, with my accounting degree, I started started an audit and advisory. And um, that's basically a track where you're working with huge corporations and essentially preparing the financials to be reported at a public level. So um, in that job, you know, it's, the, the description is audit, but you're really trying to make sure that those financials truly represent a company um, so that investors can make the best decisions that they need to in terms of, you know, where they're going to put their money. Um, the, the greatest part of that experience was that I really learned how money moves in and out of a business. Um, you know, business can tell you, oh, we put you know, so many resources into our team and our staff and we love our employees. But then if you go down and you read the financials and you see what people invest in their employees and some of their employment programs and what they put into things like retirement funds, you start to see, do the numbers really match up to the information that somebody's giving me, right? So right. I always say like, if you can read financials, you can learn anything about what's truly happening at a business. Um, and that's what I learned. So that was an incredible start to my career. Um, and, you know, eventually I came back to that. I did a full circle and that's what <laughs> I spend my time these days is advising wedding professionals on things like business strategy and financial strategy. So I've taken a lot of those, the, that experience and, and Sage Wedding Pros and that's where I spend most of my time. And then with coach, you know, coach, I was at a time in my career, I had worked, um, in between Coach and Deloitte, I had worked for a company that imported children's clothing from Europe, and I was their 
West Coast territory manager. Um, so that was a little bit of my transition before I went into coach. I spent, you know, my time in that wholesale selling um, and sales, um, working with retail st- store buyers and things like that. So then my transition into coach was actually a temporary position where I filled in for somebody as a visual merchandiser. So it was a completely creative (laughs) position. Yeah. Yeah. Doing like their store installations and, um, anything from, you know, the installations that you see at department stores like Bloomingdale's and Macy's and things like that, they Mm -hmm. will typically have a coach representative that's making sure that everything is according to their brand. Um, and the way that they want to represent the company. So huge departure from accounting and finance, but it was a nice dabble into marketing and branding and, um, having that consistent client, client experience, whether you're in a flagship store or in a retail partner store, they want to make sure that you have that coach experience and you feel the coach experience when you Mm -hmm. walk into their spaces. I feel you can learn so much about branding, merchandising, and creative from stores like that. Mm-hmm. The things yeah, that absolutely. they discuss and the mm-hmm. things that they teach mm-hmm. you is crazy. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. I mean, as a client, and also, I mean, any sort of you know retail, hospital, hotels, right? Like every time I stay at a hotel, I feel that way mm-hmm. because you know the attention to detail is they want you to experience the luxuries of staying at their, at their property. Right. And so many of those, those tips and those tools or those little um, touches are things that we can carry on into our own businesses as well. Exactly. So how many coach handbags do you still have? Ah, well, this is a while ago. This is about, ago. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I probably have about four or five. I keep all of mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, it's, you know, they're it's leather. It's funny they're you mention nice. that now because I'm like, oh God, I had a really nice, like big white, like bag that I think is now back in and I haven't, like it was a big duffel and I haven't used mm-hmm. it in years. I'm like, I need to revisit that now that, you now that you mention it. <laughs> I always tell everybody, I was like, handbags and shoes are an investment. If you spend a lot, you just take care of them. They will last you forever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how did you get started in stationery? So stationery was like a crazy wild hair because I, at that time, um, I was finishing my, my life as, um, the West Coast Territory sales manager at that time. And that company I'd worked for was really small business. Um, and there was nowhere for me to grow within the company. And um, I was really bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. Um, and I'd always loved paper and stationery. And like a lot of us in the wedding industry, I decided that I was just going to try it. <laughs> I didn't have any experience <laughs> in design, any, any background in it. At the time, it was 2004. So you have to remember 2004 is like at the forefront of people launching their own websites, mm-hmm. putting out a product and really being able to like market and compete against companies. Like at that time it was Crane um, that a lot of, you know, a lot of people looked up to as a provider, which is kind of funny to think about now because stationery has evolved so much since then. Um, but at that time you could launch a website and you could compete and buy an ad with the knot and there wasn't a lot of competition. Um, so I was in the right place at the right time. I was doing handmade, um, and wedding invitations, which again, sounds really kind of funny to talk about because this was before the DIY movement. This was, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, really at the, at the start of all of that. And, um, yeah, so I was at the right place at the right time with something that was really original and unique. Nobody else in the Seattle area where I was living at the time was doing, um, handmade, um, you know, design. And Seattle is a very open market to small businesses and to doing things that are, um, tactile and, um, you know, using, you know, creating things out of hand. So, um, yeah, so honestly, it was a wild hair that I got and I decided (laughs) I'm going to start a stationary business and I loved it. I mean, I loved the artistic creative outlet of it. Um, and then, yeah, five years into my business, I started seeing I'm more excited and passionate about the business side Mm -hmm. of my business. And that's why I decided to put together uh, a blog, a business blog for the wedding industry at that time. Um, and I also thought, well, maybe this is a good way for me to attract a national, um, market for my stationary business. That's, that was a little bit of my thought as well. Um, 2009 was in the struggle with the recession. Um, people were still getting married. I was still getting the same number of orders, but people were cutting back on how many invites they were ordering because they weren't having weddings of 200 and 300 guests, they were having weddings of 50 guests and 75 guests. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where I may have done like 60 to 70 wedding invite orders a year, I was probably doing the same number of orders, but they were getting slashed in half. Um, yeah. And that was, that was a really crazy time. I know anybody that had a business at that time will tell you that it was a really hard time to to be a business owner, um, in 2008, 2009. So my thought was, I'm going to start writing a business blog, um, for the wedding industry. I, I didn't, I, I wanted to, I knew that blogging was a really useful way of attracting an audience. Uh, I didn't want to start a creative blog because I, I didn't feel comfortable in my ability to talk about paper all day. And, um, (laughs) and this was the thing, like, it's so funny because Oh So Beautiful Paper came out, like, I think right around that time. And I was in awe of, of the stuff that she was able to produce and talk about and, um, and be so consistent and committed with that message. I knew for myself, I'm not a, I'm not a creative writer. I'm very technical. And anybody who's ever read my blog will see that. Like I, I get down to like, this is how we do business. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to write beautiful things all day. That's not my, that's not where I write. I'm not a creative writer like that. So yeah, so I started writing about the business of weddings, um, using my background in accounting and in marketing and branding and, and sales and those sorts of things. And I thought, well, you know, as people are learning these tips, they're going to get in and see, well, who's writing about this. And then when they see that there's a stationary attached to it, they're just going to want to do business with me. Like my thought was that it was going to bring my stationary business, um, more national attraction. Mm-hmm. And I, I think maybe it did a little bit, but to be quite honest, like people were just more interested in the content of what I was saying um, and my experience than the stationary business, which is why it became a a separate, you know, business all onto its own. And it it didn't happen overnight. Um, But I didn't go into thinking that I was going to become a, you know, a business strategist for the wedding industry. Um, So it's kind of funny how things turn out 10 years later, you know, here I am, I don't do stationery anymore. Um, 
And it's good. I love where I am. I'm, I'm in the best place, um, for my, uh, loves in life. <laughs> um, and getting to work with amazing creative people that are beyond creative than I ever was in, in my artistic, um, ability. I, I always say, I'm like, yeah, I realized after having a stationary business, I was much more of a business person than I was a, um, a, an artist. Let me put yeah. it that way. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's crazy what you have to kind of go through and, Go mm-hmm. through the motion to find out what you actually are passionate about. Yes. Yeah. It's so funny yeah. that Sometimes you just you went right back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it takes time to, you know, when, you know, looking, looking back, I mean, I've, I've been working for about 20 years. Um, so it gives you some idea of how old I am. Um, <laughs> but when you're younger, you don't have, you know, you don't have the foresight to kind of know, um, you know, where your strengths really lie and you really just kind of have to work it out and see and, and try some things. And, um, and I'm, I'm really glad that I did this full circle. Um, I didn't think I was going to end back up in, in advising people in a financial way, but the fact that I did have my own stationary business and, and it just gave me the insight into what people need and what works and doesn't work. And now actually my experience just comes from the 10 years of advising people and seeing, I mean, I've seen everything. I mean, I, I see people who come to me, like I'm really struggling with, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of business debt and I need to get out of this business debt and I don't know how to do it, you know? Um, so now my lessons really come from the people that I've serviced, um, because it's been a while since I had my, my own business. And with Sage Wedding Pros, uh, do you talk about all aspects of business on that website or is it just financials? Yeah, no, all aspects. So the first thing that we, um, so at the time that I started a, a few months later, I, when I say we, um, I had a business partner at the time, Kelly Simons. She's still a really good friend of mine in Texas. And, um, we started producing the simple plan, which is our workshop or I'm sorry, our, our program for business planning. And so that was the first thing that we started teaching 10 years ago. And that's become a big flagship um, of Sage Wedding Pros is teaching people how to write a business plan. From that business plan stems other pieces of the strategy, which is human resource strategy, which is the people plan. Um, and, and then the financial aspects of running a business, which is a lot of more of my one-on-one consulting. We, we do have accounting 101 and QuickBooks 101 courses as well. So I do advise people on all aspects of the business. One-on-one, I mostly focus on business planning, which is your overarching business strategy and a, d- a deeper dig into financial strategy planning. Um, so those are the two, two areas that I focus on when I'm working with people one-on-one. Um, there's, you know, there's so many other elements, things like creating systems and things like that. Mm-hmm. I can always refer people to that because it's not something that I really enjoy doing. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with previous business planning clients where we can get into more specifics on things like that. Um, but a lot of times people come to me and I need you, I need you to help me put together all my workflows and things like that. I can do that, but it's not something I love. So I'd rather refer somebody, somebody else to them. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to be talking financials because it's your favorite thing to talk about. And it's yes. my favorite thing to talk about. And one of the things that is, is so important to know about running a business is that a business runs to with money. Yeah. 
I mean, it's like <laughs> the one thing that makes you successful or not. Yeah. Um, so if somebody was starting out, what do you think are some of the basics that they should be having in place? Yeah. So at the very least, people need to have some system for tracking. So in an ideal situation, you're going to use accounting software. I always tend to recommend QuickBooks just because I think it's the the software that will be around with you for the longest, right? There's There are other options and you can always start with that, but eventually most people need to evolve into QuickBooks. If your business is brand spanking new and you're not, you're not doing, you're not purchasing that many things, you don't have the, that many in sale, that much in sales, start out with something simple, an Excel spreadsheet that just tracks how many sales you have and puts all of those clients on the list and how much, how many dollars you're collecting from them. And then another spreadsheet or another tab in that sheet that's tracking your expenses and you have like a date, a category and how much you spent on that and who you paid it to. Start out simple with that, but, but have a system in place to track that thing and then have a date on your calendar where you're actually doing those things on a monthly basis. So it could be the first Monday of every single month. You're going through the last month's transactions. You're going into your online banking. You're downloading all your transactions and you're putting them in the right categories and things like that. I think that a lot of times where people start to feel overwhelmed is because they don't have those two things in place, a system for tracking and the monthly accountability at a minimum. Um, and that's where you kind of start to feel like after a year, you haven't tracked anything. You don't know where you're spending your money. You don't know really if you're profitable in the year. And that's where people start to feel incredibly overwhelmed in you know, their, their financial situation, like everything's gone out from under them because they don't have those two little basics in place. Mm-hmm. And um, there's nothing worse than losing a whole year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't decide on April 15th when you have to pay taxes that, you know, now you know where you did the year before in your business. By that point, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter because you've already moved on, right? Right. You move forward, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, you really do want to kind of stop and take, take a, breather once a month. And honestly, in your first couple years of business, this probably won't take more than a couple hours to do. Um, and like you said at the beginning, um, it's really the only metric measurement tool to see whether you're, you know, whether you're making money on this business or whether you're quote unquote successful, um, in, in the financial piece of your business. I know that there's there's lots of barometers for success and a lot of yes. them can come work life balance and things uh-huh. like that. Those are all really important. None of us none of us get into the wedding industry because we're planning to be millionaires. I will tell you right now, there's probably no nobody that's netting a million dollars. There's people that are earning a million dollars. Nobody's met netting a million dollars in this yeah. industry, right? We start this we start businesses in this industry because we love the creativity and the artistry. And there's typically something else that we want. We want, we want, you know, more time or more flexibility because I don't even think it's more time. It's more flexibility to spend with our families or it's, you know, a passion that we have for putting our name into something. Um, it's an ability to work with our hands or, um, to come up with artistic ideas and, and those jobs just don't exist a lot of times. We create jobs out of necessity, um, to create the life that we want. So, I know realistically nobody gets into this business to for the money of it, but 
after a couple years in business, you start to see there's you, you're putting a lot of time mm-hmm. and energy and money into this business. You better start figuring out whether it's financially viable is what it comes down to. Yeah. And I have to add to what you said. So yes, success is measured in so many different ways. But mm-hmm. um, with that, I have to say, um, for example, I measure my success with how I spend my time and if I'm truly happy. Yep. However, I find it super stressful for myself when my financials are not in order. So I need to know that my business, and I've been in business for a while now, is not putting a strain on my husband, is not putting a strain on not seeing my mom, because I can't hire somebody to do something that I can't, I should not be doing. Yes, I I measure it in ways that can I make a decision based on my financial goals. So mm-hmm. I have a budget for everything, and my husband kind of hated it at first, but then he's like, <laughs> I get it now. You know, above our garbage, we have a budget for our business, our our home, our future businesses, and projections. Yes. And so when something comes up opportunity for myself or for the both of us or purchasing decisions we go to the garbage (laughs) it's the only place where other people really find it because it's in a closet and (laughs) we can look at it and say "Mm, nope or yeah that I think that'll work and so I think it's it's not saying that without money you won't be successful but it is saying that you money can create a strain and anxiety, a long-term debt that can follow you for a long time. Yeah. So you have to have that in order for you to have the true freedom. Yes. Yes. Well, and here's the thing too, is that, um, over time and, and a lot of my clients are at this point where they've been in business for somewhere around 10 years. And, um, what we start to see is at that point, the challenges you face as a business owner at 10 years is very different from those at two years. Um, typically if your business is doing pretty well, you're still in business at 10 years, you're managing a really high volume of either clients and events or client needs, right? Like you may, you may be doing less number of weddings, but you still have a lot of client needs, which eats into your time. Mm-hmm. What happens at that point is that if your business is financially successful and financially viable, you can afford to hire people to help you within your business. And that gives you the time. Like the, the first goal of what, you know, we were talking about to have flexibility and time, freedom to spend with our families and our lifestyle. If our business is not financially successful, it ends up consuming us to where we can be working 80 hours a week And all of a sudden, we don't have the resources to be able to invest in staff to help us in our business. Sometimes it's help us in our home, right, to to Mm -hmm. hire a housekeeper so I'm not cleaning on Saturdays um, so that I can spend the time on the weekends. Everyone's working on Saturdays in the wedding industry, but but me, I'm not because I'm doing finances. I'm working all the other days. Sundays, Sundays. Um, Yeah, but so, so you get to a point in your business that if you haven't kind of put those foundations in place, you'll get to a point further down the line where you will burn out if you're not financially, um, you know, profitable and, and seeing some earnings from that. Or prepared. Yes. Or, uh, yes. With projections. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. So are there are there things that people should be doing to be proactive? Yes. So, um, you know, like I said, the the monthly accounting day is huge. If you, if you spend you know a couple hours every month, that's that's a going to give you information and b, um, you know, just going to give you that sense of control. Um, you know, the thing to keep in mind is that tracking is boring. Tracking is boring for like any account. We we don't we're not excited about that. We're excited about the information, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about putting it into QuickBooks or the spreadsheet, whatever tracking system you use. It's the information that comes from that. So in order to be more proactive, you want to stick to that um, monthly accounting day, and you and you want to start to try to learn what is the information telling me, right? You in order to assess your profitability, you want to take a look at sales compared to expenses. If you have more sales than expenses, you're profitable for that month or that period of time, whatever it is that you're looking at. Over time, that information is going to start to become more familiar to you. So if you do use something like QuickBooks, eventually your business will grow into something like QuickBooks out of the spreadsheet. You want to be looking at your profit and loss report. The first time you look at that, it's going to be confusing, right? But everything is confusing the first time you do something, right? Like the first time you ever went to a yoga class, like it was confusing, all the words and the language, you know, like, what's a what's a downward dog, right? And now it's like second nature. We don't even think about it. Somebody says downward dog and we go down on all fours, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with looking at a PL. Like you need practice over time, become you become more proficient at that. Um so, and the third thing that you can do to be more proactive is like get some really basic accounting education. Um, you don't have to become an accountant. You're already doing enough. Um, as your business grows and evolves, there's probably experts, and I think I might talk about this in a little bit, um, that can help you with that. But regardless of whether you have a bookkeeper or somebody else managing your finances, you're the CFO of your business. You need to know what's happening in your company, regardless of who's inputting things into QuickBooks. Um, so I would recommend getting a very basic, basic accounting 101 course. We have one on our site if you're looking for something just to understand what it means when people are talking about revenue, profit margins, profitability, assets, liabilities, just get those very basics, I call it travel fluency, like as if you were going to go to a foreign country and you just needed to ask how to get to the bathroom, you need to have that mm-hmm. same level of fluency within accounting so that you can run your business. And so where do you see the biggest holes in the industry are as far as business finances? Yeah. So with the biggest holes, the areas where I feel like people are leaving money on the table, um, one, they're not, they're not informing themselves of what their business is really doing financially. So that's the first thing, you know, stemming from getting that accounting one-on-one, you have to have those basics. You are the CFO. It doesn't matter how many experts you have advising you on your finances. You still have to decide how to spend your money, how to earn your money. The second thing is actually not, um, it's not necessarily a financial thing. It's actually a marketing thing and it comes down to pricing. Um, most people are underpriced in the industry. Um, and I, uh, you know, I say that for people who are brand new to people who are, have been in business 10 years, most of them could use at least a small pricing increase. Um, and the reason why pricing impacts that much, that so much is that's your profitability. 
Um, I look at numbers all day and I see sometimes just even a five to 10% price increase. And that's going from $2,000 at a day of price to 2200 can can be a significant difference when you're doing a volume of weddings over time so that you're not having to work that hard. And, and understanding those margins and that, that profitability equation to be profitable in your business is where I see a lot of people leaving money on the table. So pricing is a marketing decision. You set a price that makes sense for your market, for who you're selling to, for who your ideal client is, um, and for the services that you provide and the experience. So most people are under undervaluing those factors, right? Um, I, I meet people who maybe they have 10 years of hospitality experience, but they've only had their business for two years and they're pricing according to somebody who's been in business for one to two years without taking into account that they have 10 years experience. They're not in that new price point. They're, they're, they're adding, they have, they're bringing way more to their client that they're giving themselves credit for. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a getting decision that people um, make. Now it impacts your finances because that profitability piece, like how much are you profiting per event? That's what ends up giving you, you know, the, the profits or your the earnings in your business or not, right? So pricing is something that you make from a marketing lens, marketing perspective, but then you have to test it financially to see whether your business is successful or making enough money to to be viable, giving you enough earnings um, to what where you want to earn in your business in your life. And so there has to be somebody that we can go to or somewhere that we can go to how how do we find those experts and who who are those experts that we should be turning to? Yeah. So there's three people that um, all small business owners need to be thinking about. And these three individuals do three different things, right? So a lot of times people are expecting their tax accountants to be proficient in everything, to be able to be their advisor, their business advisor. Um, maybe they've hired them also to do their bookkeeping. Um, these three individuals that I'm going to share, you have to think of them as having very different skill sets. So the very first one, the very basic one, the day that you open, put your first shingle on your business, you have to have a tax accountant. Um, you have to have somebody that's helping you prepare. You can use something like TurboTax and things like that for tax prep. But I think those first couple years in business, you really do need to have somebody advising you and guiding you from a tax perspective so that you're a not paying too much money on tax or organizing your business in the wrong way, what you know, whether it's an LLC or an S Corp or a corporation, you do need somebody that's advising you on those differences. So that's at the very minimum. Every business owner should have a tax advisor. Um, and you can ask around. And honestly, tax preparation is they're gonna be preparing your 1040. Um all of the business schedules that come off of a 1040, any tax accountant is familiar with them. You don't need to find somebody who is a wedding business expert or anything like that because tax, tax is tax. Um, and the tax laws are, you know, they, they're all, you know, they're all the same, whether you work for a big corporation or a small corporation, mm -hmm. it's a big set of rules, right? So ask people around that you like that do their taxes, that they trust, um, that, Put together tax information in a timely manner um, and that are trustworthy is what you want to come down to. And I, I will say from personal experience, um, sometimes the cheapest guy is not always the best. 
Um, I, I learned that the hard way and you know, my tax account is one of the more expensive ones, but I know she's always guiding me and I never have to like file something late. She's, she's on top of things. So, so that's bare minimum. The second person that you want to be considering, and this is somebody that you want to consider once your business is growing and once you feel like the actual, you know, transactions, the QuickBooks, inputting things into a spreadsheet, all of that is really time consuming or you're spending more time in another area, you want to be considering hiring a bookkeeper. And I'm not talking about hiring somebody in-house. Very few businesses in our industry need in-house bookkeepers. I would recommend finding a, um, a bookkeeping firm. You can ask people locally. There's a few that I recommend. If, if you want, we can put that in the show notes. Um, and again, this is once, once you've been in business for a while, you have so many transactions that you can't keep up with it and, or you just have other things that you need to be spending your time on. Maybe it's selling and growing your business and it's time for you to give that piece of bookkeeping to somebody else. Now, bookkeeping is inputting your transactions into something like QuickBooks. Okay. So it's just the data entry piece of that. And you want somebody who has experience, who's very proficient. Oftentimes that person isn't advising you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that person is there to, you know, do the data entry and give you the reports and you want to make sure they're giving you the monthly reports so that you can take a look at them. Remember, you're still the CFO of your company. So you need to be able to look at those reports and see what your business is doing. That's not your bookkeeper's job. The third person that I would recommend, and this is somebody that has now been in business for a while, you're profitable, you know the basics of your accounting, but you're really trying to achieve some bigger goals in your business. Um, You're either looking to expand your business, whether it's to another market, or maybe you're looking to expand your team, you're adding services. There's a certain goal that you're trying to reach in your business, or maybe you're not seeing the kinds of earnings that you want. Your business is profitable, but you really want to see more earnings. And that's where you want to bring in what I call a financial strategist. You can call it a CFO for hire. This is what I do. And so you want to be thinking of this person as giving you the tools to, to financially plan for the future of your business. So, Um, I want to increase my earnings by 20% or maybe I have a salary of 50,000, but I'd really like to reach a salary of 75,000 or I'm looking to, um, add another full-time employee and I'm not sure I can afford it. Um, so now you're dealing with, you know, higher level problems and you're trying to see how do I make those things happen financially? And so that's where you really want to bring, bringing in somebody, a financial strategist, Sometimes a tax advisor may also have this skill set. Um, in my experience, most tax people, they're very tax proficient, but they're not strategists. Mm-hmm. So it's unusual, right? Same thing with bookkeepers, right? Bookkeepers, they're, they're like your information gatherers and they're like systems and processes and procedures and things like that, but they're not o- looking at the overarching umbrella of your company, right? So that's why when I said you have to have three separate mindsets, that's what you want to be thinking about for your business. And you're not bringing them all in all at once. There's stages. So be thinking of that entry level tax count, you know, your second level when you're really busy and you need to hand out over some of your work bookkeeper. And then when you have a basics, basics of your accounting and you're really trying to reach some next level goals, it's great to have a financial strategist that can come in and paint the picture for you. That Those are really, yeah. 
I agree with all those points. Um, do you have three things or maybe some last minute tips for our listeners to get started? Yeah. Um, so I would say, like I said earlier, if you don't already have the basics of accounting 101, um, it's going to help. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's a very dry subject. But ultimately, like it's it's the backbone is I always say like, there's four four pillars of your business and finances is one of them, you need to have that otherwise you have a very strong marketing and sales side of your business, but your financial foundation is crumbling. So you have to get at least some accounting basics, you don't have to be an accounting expert, but get some accounting 101. Um, I'd also encourage you to start setting some earnings goals. So this is something Fiorella, you had said, like, you're really good about goal setting, which I think is awesome, like between the budgeting and things like that, like everybody should be doing that. So set some earnings goals and set an expense budget. Um, and with earnings goals, it's, you can keep it simple. You can say, I want to do 10 weddings at an average of $6,000 in the next year, right? Like keep it simple. Mm -hmm. The important thing is to come back and track and see how you're doing. And then the expense budget, you want to just be thinking of where did I spend money last year? Am I going to spend the same in this category? Am I going to, you know, change things up? Be um, intentional with how you're making money and how you're spending money. Um, and then the last thing is do that monthly accountability that I've been talking about, because when 12 months go by is when you can feel that loss of control and that feeling of overwhelm. And it is really gratifying to see you can, you can, you can direct the earnings, the profitability on your business. You can direct, I mean, this is why we're business owners to have greater control over our lives. You can control how much you earn if you're really on top of your finances. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, you can, you can control how much you earn if you're like, and you set a sales goal. Let's say your sales goal was $10,000 for last month and you didn't get it. Well, this month you, you set a goal to make it up or you adjust the goal or your marketing strategy, right? But like you have to know a, what the goal is and whether or not you're hitting it. Exactly. Yeah. All the way. Tell me uh, before we end, because we're coming to the end of the interview here, I want to know a little bit about the sage the conference. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Be Sage. Oh, I love Be Sage. So Be Sage conference is a conference that I started six years ago. Um, after working for several years with people on business plans, um, what we started to see is that a lot of our businesses, uh, a lot of our clients, they had grown up and their challenges were very different from those early strategy challenges that you have in your first five years of business. And um, and the industry doesn't offer as much. I think now it's a little bit better, but it doesn't always offer that level B or that level C in training of somebody who, you know, when I've, I've been in business for about eight years, I've got five staff people um, and I have high employee turnover and I've been doing weddings now for 10 years. I need to be thinking of what my next steps are, right? Like they're, the challenges start becoming very different from, you know, just how to brand or make a sale and things like that. And so that's the goal with Be Sage Conference is exposing leaders, um, people who are already leaders who are already doing really well in their businesses who are successful business owners to new ways of thinking, and to answering some of their um, next level challenges that they might face. So for example, um, 
so the next conference is February 3rd through the 6th in Austin, um, which is right around the corner. It's funny to say that. <laughs> it's fa- it comes faster yeah, than you think. It does. I know. So some of the things that we're talking about is um, how to build an exit strategy. Um, you know, a lot of people, if you, well, I think all people at any stage in business should, should have an exit strategy. You know, even if you're just two years in business, it's helpful to know where you want to end up. But I know that in those early years, realistically speaking, you're not always thinking that way, but, but definitely when you, you start to get in that five to 10 year mark, you start to think like, okay, well, I don't want to be a 70 year old wedding planner. How do I, how do I retire in Cabo and just, you know, drink margaritas all day? How am I going to get there? Right. So Renee O'Brien, she's an exit strategy consultant from Seattle. She's going to come talk to us about that. And by the way, I, I like having speakers outside of our industry. Um, mm-hmm. we tend to have, tend to have four out of six speakers outside of the industry. And, and typically only two of them are from within the industry because I, I feel like our industry sometimes can be a, a, a bit of a bubble and we're not learning from people who are outside experts. And so I'm always trying to bring in people with new points of view. So, so that's Renee. She's an exit strategy consultant. Um, Ginger Burke and Buell, she is the owner of Burke creative in Chicago. And, um, she has a business where she consults small business owners, how to market like a br- big brand. So after many years of doing marketing strategies for companies like Google and Coca-Cola, now her clientele are smaller businesses like ours. And she's basically trying to teach some of their sneaky ways because at the end of the day, we're like, we're, we think we're competing against our peers, but we're competing for, for eyeballs, right? Like mm-hmm. on Instagram, all the sponsored posts are not a lot of times small business owners. They're big brands. So we're competing for attention against these companies who have millions of dollars of budgets. How do we compete with those people for people's attention span? Um, and so she's going to be teaching us that. So it's a really different spin on marketing strategy. And then Heather Vickery, she, um, she's a, uh, she's a life, um, and business coach and she had a, um, wedding planning business for 16 years in the Chicago area. Greatest expectations was her planning business. And now she is teaching business owners how to take control over the lies. And she's going to be talking about how to proactively prevent burnout, um, which I'm really excited about because I feel like, um, I feel like the conversation has shifted away from life, um, work life balance to like, let's just not get burned out in the middle of our busy seasons. How about mm-hmm. that? Right? Yes. <laughs> We're all like facing that busy season burnout real soon here. So uh-huh, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. <laughs> so she's going to be talking about that. And then we have, um, Brian Leahy. He's a photographer in California. He works with uh, destination clients all over the world. He actually, he works more worldwide than he does even in California. And he's going to talk to us about how to compete in an increasingly saturated market. Um, I can tell you when I started my invitation business in 2004, I had five stationary competitors at that time. And we all had a piece of the pie and it was really easy to do business. And we all did different things. And it was, it was not a no brainer, really. Um, these days, if I still had that stationary business in Seattle, I would be probably be competing against 40 to 50 other people. Um, and not to say that there isn't still pieces of the pie for everybody, but it's a lot harder to get found, um, when there are so many people. And so that's his specialty. That's what he's going to be talking about. 
Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that topic as well. So we have a couple more speakers. I can't divulge them yet. I'm still waiting for the red ink to, or the ink to dry on the contract before <laughs> I make any big announcements, but, um, you'll be finding out real soon. So yeah, I hope, I hope people will join us. It's, it's going to be fantastic. February 3rd through the 6th in Austin. Well, I think the topics are very intriguing, especially for those who have been in the industry a little bit longer. They're definitely not beginner topics. They're um, second level topics and they're topics that you want to do to, do you want to hear from to level up your business? So it's very interesting. And the fact that you have such limited seats is even more um, intriguing to me because then you know that within those three days, you're probably going to meet everybody that was there. That's, that's the other wonderful thing is yes, we're learning a lot from the speakers and the topics, but you are there with 60 other people who are, are at that same level in business. And, um, I know from, you know, I've been a business owner now for 15 years. Um, it, you know, the older you become, and I'm not talking about age, but I'm talking about like the experience of being a business owner. There's fewer and fewer people who have that same you know, years of experience. So you have less people to talk about some of those problems that you face if you've been in business for seven, eight years. And so it's really wonderful um, to be able to come down and sit. We do a lot of masterminding and discussion and problem solving amongst ourselves um, to find best practices that people are doing nationwide, what's working for you. Um, and we have a really high return rate because a lot of people come and they, they get a lot from those peers that, and learning people's success stories of what's working for them in their individual markets. Amazing. Well, Michelle, the time has come to an end. Oh, Fiorella, thank you for having me. This has been so great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that you just came on and you're telling you telling me about everything you're telling your listeners about everything that you know it really is helpful to get these little businesses started up um, and to continue growing businesses that are already established so where can people find you um they can find me at sageweddingpros.com p-r-o-s-e like sage wedding professionals smart wedding professionals um dot com so we have tons of resources on there we have freebies and things like that. You can also find me on Instagram at Sage Wedding Pros. I think all of my social media handles are Sage Wedding Pros. And then if you are interested in the conference, um, go to besageconference.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we will be in touch. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you.